your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just look at somebody and say, I am glad you're here tonight. Amen. In your word tonight, turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter number five. I walked in this morning and I told all the ladies that were in the back this morning, I asked all of them, I said, which one of y'all going to preach tonight? Because in all truth, at that point in time, I had no idea where the Lord wanted to carry us at today. But how many of you really got a blessing through the message from this morning? Amen. I've had several tell me, hey, I've never heard anything quite like that. Never heard that story like that. And God has richly blessed you. So let's just put a firm nail in the sure place here over that. Just uh, tell the Lord here, say, untie me. Because I know you need me, Lord. There's so many of us that need to be untied. So many of us that need to be delivered. In 2022, God is getting his church ready to go and fully go deeper into the promised land and possess their promised land. That means that you are going to stand face to face with some giants in your life that you're going to have to deal with. There are some giants that you're going to have to overcome. There are addictions that you're going to have to be able to lay to the side. There are thought processes that you're going to have to whip. There are things that's going on in your life that you're going to have to confront yourself. And for your family, there are many in your family tonight as we preach this morning that they need to be set free and loose. And we found out this morning that God has us as the burden of, uh, the bearer of his burden here in the end time ministry of the Holy Ghost. That we are the ones that are supposed to loose the folks that are tied up and bring them to Jesus. But in this hour here, we need to also understand that in the process of doing that, we have got to possess our promised land. And in order to possess our promised land, we got to know what we got to do to go into the promised land and come out victorious. How many of you are really ready to possess everything that God has given to you? Amen. I just want to read with you very quickly here today, tonight. And I want to pick up with you about halfway down in Joshua chapter number five. And I want you to see what God is doing. I want you to hear me. I'll go into verse in chapter number six too as well. For 40 years now, the children of Israel have been wandering out in the wilderness. They've been sleeping on the ground. They have been uh, in a life that really wasn't any pleasure. It wasn't anything in that respect. They were out in the wilderness. And God had miraculously took care of them, fed them with manna for 40, 400, uh, 40 years. And after 400 years of slavery, they have come out of Egypt. And they have spent for 40 years out in the wilderness. And now they are finally ready to begin the process of claiming their promised land. As we pick up our text tonight, Joshua has already brought them across the Jordan River and there in a little place called Gilgal, he, God had showed up and renewed the covenant with the people. And men had told the Lord at that time that they would live the life for the Lord and they done that by a physical show in their body by going through the act of circumcision. And now we go forward as the, uh, the army is about to proceed and progress and go on into the promised land and get deeper in the promised land. And now Joshua realizes that there is something that is a huge obstacle that he is going to have to overcome. And he doesn't have the firepower. He doesn't have the military. He doesn't have the trained soldiers to go and fight against what is holding him back. And he's out one day and he's walking around this great big city called the city of Jericho. 
And he is taking some recognizance missions trying to find out where all of the enemy soldiers are at in your life. You know, there's sometimes in your life you got to get out and look and survey the territory and find out where the devil's camping out in your life. Amen. You got to know where he's at. You got to know what he's up to. You got to know what he's capable of. Although we talk a big game sometimes, uh, I think sometimes we don't realize just how strong the devil can be if we allow him to get that way. Amen. Amen. So after 40 years now, Israel is finally ready to begin the process of claiming the promised land. And Joshua, the leader, is now in a major problem. And he's got to come to a conclusion. In verse number 13 in chapter number 5, it said, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No. But as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. That's why we sung holy ground tonight. Amen. Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none come in. You might need to circle that right there. Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all you men of war, and go around about the city once. Thou shalt do that six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram horn. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. Let someone say Amen. And the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priest and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and come past the city and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the children that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram horn passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets and the re-reward came after the ark and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you to shout. Then you shall shout. Oh, my Lord. So the ark of the Lord can pass the city going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them. But the re-reward came after the ark of the Lord, and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp, and so did they six 
days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early. Everybody say, you got to rise up early. Find somebody else and say, you got to get on up out of bed now. My gracious, I've been preaching that since way back when. Says you got to get on up out of bed. You got to rise up early before at the dawning, about the dawning of the day, and come past the city after the same manner, but do it seven times this time. And only on that day they come past the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Trevor, I don't know if they really got the conviction in their heart or not, but the Lord said to shout because he's already gave us the city. Amen. Shout because the Lord has given you the city. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein of the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourself from the accursed thing lest you make yourself a curse. And when you take up the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it, but all the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed 5% of what was in the city. Is that what the Bible said? And they utterly destroyed 99.9% .9 of what was in the city. They utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep, and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all the kindred and let them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein. Only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron they put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive in her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelt in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjourned them at that time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof as in firstborn and his youngest son shall set up the gates of it. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was annoyed throughout all the country. I want to read that next to last verse one more time because after I finish tonight, you'll understand something and that verse will mean something to you. It said, And Joshua adjourned them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and buildeth this city, Jericho. He shall lay the foundations thereof, and his firstborn and his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. Father, bless the reading of your word. Anoint it, Lord God. Penetrate the hearts of your people, and I'll be careful to give you the praises. You anoint my lips and purge me of all human draws. Use me tonight to minister to your children. I'll give you the praise for it all in the precious holy name of Jesus. And the church said amen. amen. And amen. After 40 years now, living in the wilderness, Israel is finally ready to start the process of going in and taking their promised land. Notice I said it was a process. 
You do not take your promised land in one battle. You do not take all of your promised land and destroy everything that's been going on in your life from the enemy in one day and in one night. It is a battle. It is a process. A process is a series of steps that is taken in order for you to achieve a particular end. It's when you're proceeding in your life and you progress on a course in life step by step until you have reached your goal. I want you to notice that Jericho was the first city that they come into the fight against. And Jericho was known in that time as a fortress city. And it was a walled city. And everybody knows what a wall is. A wall is when you take an area and you enclose it up with walls or with bricks or with wood or whatever it may be. And you do that there for several reasons. One reason is you do it to protect yourself. And you also do it to keep you some privacy in your life. And there's also you use it to confine or imprison someone or something like your dogs. And you put them in a restricted area. When you don't want your dogs running all over the neighborhood, you put you a little fence up at your house so that they'll stay right in that little area. In fact, what we wind up doing is we take a dog that is put out there to be able to run all over the world and we restrict him and we put him in prison. I tell you, some dogs would love you a whole lot better than some of y'all if I was to put you in prison. Amen. Don't your dog just love you? If you got a dog, you got him in that little 14 by 70 trailer or you got him over there in that 1100 square foot house and he stays in there all the time and you let him out every now and occasion for him to go out and enjoy everything. He's just so happy to see you. But if I was to take you and lock you up in a building and wouldn't let you out but once every couple of days, you would call that prison. Amen. That's right, isn't it? So here we have a situation where you're confined and, you know, and people are in prison and you put into a sealed place. And when you build a wall, you use it to divide you between someone else. Tonight, God wants me to talk to you about the first thing that you got to do when you're going into your promised land. The very first thing you got to do after you have made your covenant right with the Lord at Gilgal and allow the Lord to sanctify you and to clean you up of all of the dross that you brought in from the Egyptian bondage that you used to be in. I want to share with you the first thing you got to do in order for you to be able to possess your promised land is you got to tear down some walls. Amen. The Bible says that the weapons of your warfare are mighty through God, even to the pulling down of strongholds. And a stronghold, you'll find out, is a whole lot more than just a wall. So the very first thing that you got to be able to do to overcome the strongholds that the devil is holding in your life is you got to tear down some walls. Amen? If you are a drunk, you got to be able to tear down the wall that the enemy and you have built around your citadel and around your castle and around your emotions and around your desires of your flesh. You got to know how to tear down the wall. Someone say amen. Walls become a symbol of entrapment. And there are many of us sitting under the sound of my voice tonight. We've talked this morning about being tied up. But I want you to know some of us has gone beyond being tied up. We're in behind the wall and we are entrapped by a wall that we have allowed the devil to build in our life. And that wall is keeping us from being what God wants us to be. It is keeping people out of your life that can help you. That wall, that wall in your life is keeping you from being delivered. That's the reason why you're struggling with that addiction. That's the reason why you're struggling with things in your life. That's the reason why you're having issues and you have not yet possessed your promised land 100%. Amen. Amen. Just smile with that person right beside me and say, you got to learn how to tear down them walls. 
Now I want to talk to you about Jericho because Jericho was a stronghold. Not just the walls of Jericho. Jericho itself was a stronghold. Around Jericho, there was two walls. And the first wall was a wall that was 20 foot high and it was 6 foot wide. And in between another wall that was there, there was a 15 foot wide guarded walkway that was built between those little walls. If you got beyond the first wall, you would walk into 15 foot of armed guards ready to take you out. And that second wall that was on the inside of it was 30 foot tall and it was 12 foot wide. So all the Together there you had some 45 foot wall. It was like having a wall as big as our road that's out there around you in your life. This stronghold was built up with such a large wall to keep it to be a stronghold in the promised land. I want to share with you some things that happened on that wall. Jericho was a city that was nine acres big. It was not a very big city, but it was so fortified that no one would be able to come into it in any way, shape, or form. It was an obstacle that stood in the way of the children of Israel from going into their promised land and getting deep in their promised land and overcome what there was there so that they could literally live in the promise that God had given them and be able to use the milk and the honey in the promised land. It was an obstacle, and an obstacle in your life is something that blocks your way or blocks your progress. It keeps you from progressing in your life. There is always something in your life that will keep you from getting close to the Lord, and chances are it is a wall that you have built between you and God. Y'all going to talk with me tonight, amen? amen? Now, before you go deeper into your promised land... You, yourself, personally, just like Israel had to do, you have got to defeat Jericho. If you're going to get everything that God has you in your territory, you got to take out Jericho. And the first thing you got to know how to do when you go to fight Jericho is you got to learn how to tear down some walls. Look at your neighbor here tonight and say, you got to tear them walls down. Now, before Israel could defeat Jericho, those walls had to come down because them walls held them out from Jericho and them walls prevented them to enter into this city. And this city of Jericho was a fortress city. It was a fortress. It was the first fortress, the first stronghold that was in the promised land. I want you all to hear me. Amen. I want you to realize that for you to literally be able to overcome in your life, you have got to destroy Jericho in your life. Jericho is a spiritual and a military stronghold. The devil in your life, by the walls that he has built, has assigned militaristic demons in your life that will keep you from being what God wants you to do. And every time you try to take out that stronghold, he will come in and he will flare up in a warfare and he will keep you from going forward and being all that God wants you to be. Amen? Amen. <laughs> What the devil will do is he will keep you from progressing. But God said if Stan Braddock is going to possess his whole promised land, he's got to get rid of every enemy that there is in the stronghold. Amen. Look at somebody say you got to get rid of all of them. You can't leave a one. You can't have one. I don't care how much he looks good at you. I don't care how much he's promised you. I don't care how much he talks to you in that sweet talk. You got to get rid of that enemy in your life. Amen. 
And on them two walls, them two walls were small forts that were built up there on top of the wall. And they were strategically placed around that nine acres. And there were small little forts all the way around on the top of that wall. And there were armed soldiers that was there that was always on the lookout trying to stop people from coming in to penetrate that stronghold. In the middle of that city, there was a castle that was built there in the middle of that city. And that castle was fortified against any of the attacks of any of the enemy. If someone was to breach the wall, there was walls inside the city around that castle. And on top of the walls, all the way around the city and around the castle, there were little towers placed everywhere. They weren't just little small forts with an ammunition and military machinery. There was little small towers everywhere. There were little towers that people were on the lookout and they were on assignment to take you out if you were going to come to Jericho. So if you're going to take out your promised land and you're going to possess your promised land, the first stronghold you got to overtake in your life is Jericho. And let me tell you, it is one of the most fortified strongholds that you got in your life. Someone say amen. amen. They're in the middle of it. I'm sure y'all have seen a little castle before on television. And they have these little perpendicular little things where if you took the line and you went up one and you went over a little bit and down like a little square there with it. And all the way around them walls, there was little squares there where soldiers was camped at every one of those little uh, the brick walls that was there. And they were able to stand behind that wall and shoot at you with the bows and arrows and begin to loose out the cannons. The devil is strategically placed in your life to take you out and God said, if you're going to walk in your promised land, you got to know how to take down Jericho. Amen. A citadel was also built on each wall. There was a place there where all the troops and all the ammo was stored, and it was called a citadel. Concrete shelters and little places were built as observation points where people could sit there in those little concrete shelters and their job was to be a watchman and watch for enemies. God said that one of the jobs that you have here on this earth as a Christian is that you are supposed to be a watchman over your children, watchman over your nation, and you are supposed to warn people when an enemy is coming to take you out. And you better believe if God has called some watchmen, the devil's got some watchmen in your life too. Amen. There were also little towerettes, I want to call them, all the way around there. And they housed the war machines. And there was the operators in those war machines. They knew how to use them machines and them weapons to take everybody out. And the devil has demons assigned in your life that knows how to use his war machinery. And if you ain't got the power of God in your life, you ain't never going to be able to take Jericho out. Amen. On top of that their tower, there were several little things they called a turret. That's little small towers at the corners where armory was set at, where all, if we had it today, all of our tanks and all of our, all the cannons, everything that we needed would be placed on the inside of there. Every little town's got a little armory, and there in that armory, they got the tanks and the little cars and the jeeps and all that stuff so that the National Guard, when they call on order, they can go and they can report to the armory. And there on them walls, they had those little armories there. They're called Tourette's. And on the inside of the wall, also down at the very bottom of the law, there was a bunker so if the devil or if the enemy come against them, the bunker itself would literally be so full of fuel that people would light the fuel in the bunker and they would burn the city down if someone come in there to them and they had a way to get out of there and they would get out in refuge and they would let the stronghold burn down but they would be living another day. Y'all hearing me tonight, amen? 
It's very important because I'm bringing all this to you to show you how strong a stronghold is in your life when you allow it to build the walls that you build on the inside of you. Amen. There were redoubts that was down in the bottom of it there, Thelma, and that was for easy escape. If the walls were ever breached, they could go down in these little tunnels. They got it right now at the White House. If there's an attack on the White House, they take the president down into an undisclosed location, and that undisclosed location is a tunnel up under the city of Washington, D.C., and they carry him somewhere. Nobody knows where it's at, and they carry him there. That's the same thing that they have. This was a stronghold, not only some 30 foot high, not only to the citadel and the castle behind highest thing in it. It was a stronghold all the way down, deeply rooted into the dirt and into the flesh. And if we've got a Jericho in our life, you better believe that stronghold is mighty deep on the inside of you. Bastions was also there. Bastions allow for people to have defensive fire. If you crossed over, there's a, there was a, a little ditch that was built, a big wide ditch that was built and dug all the way around the city, and it was filled up with water. If you were lucky enough to get up to the city, you had to swim across it. You had to get out through all of that the river, so to speak, to even get there. And then when you hit across the moat, immediately them people that were stationed in the bastions, their job was to take you out before you got to the gate of the city. You better realize the devil will not give up his stronghold in your life easily. Am I helping anybody tonight? Amen. Amen. And right on the outside of the gate, they had a little place called a hold or a place called a prison. And if they caught people trying to breach the walls, they would take them and they would carry them into the holes and into the prison and they would put them in the prison house. There are many of us that are listening to me online, some of you here tonight, and you have been held in a hold and in a prison outside of a, a wall, a stronghold that the devil has built in your life and he's been occupying there for a long time. Is anybody here with me tonight? Amen. Amen. And then there was what they call small little fortalices. That was a small little fortified house which it was stationed all around the walls. And the commanders lived in those little fortalices. Jericho in the Bible is a shadow to you of how the enemy can build a stronghold in your life. He can build not one wall but two walls. He can build an armored way. He can have an outer wall, an inner wall, and a guarded walkway. And any time you try to go in to overcome that stronghold and cast it down, it's a mighty, mighty, mighty work from God to be able to take care of it. Amen. There's those small forts that are strategically placed all around that stronghold. So if you do ride up and, and you get up an attack against him, you better believe the devil ain't going to give it up easily. Amen. There's moats that's built all the way around all of that there. The, the walls right there full of water. So when you go and you labor and you finally get it through, if you're lucky enough to get through the moats, then the enemy has demons that are spacing in your life that take you out and to grab you and carry you and make you a, a prisoner of war. Am I helping anybody tonight? Amen. There were towers, there were castles, there were citadels everywhere, concrete shelters, observation points everywhere. There was towers and armories, and there was a tower in there called the Dungeon Tower, not the dungeon down in the ground, the Dungeon. That was a tower all the way up to the top, and that tower was full of fuel. And when it got to the point where they realized that they were going to lose the battle, that's when the, the person that was in charge of that would light that tower on fire and blow up the city. So the devil is not going to give up his stronghold in your life easily. 
with the readouts there, the bastions there, all the holes, all the prisons, all of those fortalices in your life in order for you to defeat the Jericho in your life and tear down the stronghold, the first thing you got to do is you got to take down the walls. Everybody say you got to tear down them walls. Please tell somebody right beside me, say you need to tear down them walls. Because you see, if the walls weren't there, you can easily get into the city. The fight is a whole lot easier, amen? Jesus said in Mark chapter number 3, verse number 27, he said, No man can enter into the strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first binds up the strong man and then he will be able to spoil his goods. And when you read that in the original language, Jesus is saying, if you're going to go in and you're going to take over the strong man's house, you need to go in and breach the walls and tear the walls down. Once you tear the walls down, it's a whole lot easier for you to spoil the strong man and take everything back that he's from you. Amen. And God wants me to talk to you tonight on this because we have walls in our life that are hindering us and it's standing in between us and God. And we can't receive what God's got for us in our life. We're not getting the best from God in our life because there's a wall in between you and God. Now what is those walls? Look at your neighbor and say, what walls have you built? What walls is it that's there? Is it your besetting sin? The Bible says there is one sin, one sin, let's hear me now, everybody look at me, one sin in your life that leads to every other sin. One sin. One sin that so easily besets you. You don't need a lot of deliverance, you just need deliverance from one sin. One. That's it. Once you get delivered from that one sin, you're going to be delivered from all of them. But that one sin is an easily besetting sin in your life. And if you don't allow God to deliver you from your one besetting sin, that their besetting sin will become a stronghold in your life, so fortified, so thick with walls all the way around it, with moats all the way around it, with prisons in there and everything. you got to have the power of Almighty God to bust through the walls. Amen. Others of us are in the sound of my voice. you got some old hurts that's on the inside of you. Oh, roots of bitterness that you have set there and you haven't forgiven people for what they've done to you in your life. Help us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Friday night we found out that there was a, a, a thing that goes further than the roots of bitterness and it's called the gall of bitterness and the bond of iniquity. There's a whole lot of people that has been so bitter so long they don't even know they're bitter anymore and they can't even understand or even feel the conviction of Almighty God. And because of that they're bound up in their iniquity and it becomes all about them. He didn't treat me this way. He shouldn't be talking to me like that. He shouldn't pray over me like that. He shouldn't be looking at me that way. And it's all about us in the gall all of bitterness. What other wall is it that we can have in our life? We can have a cold and an indifferent spirit. I feel like sometimes here, especially tonight, that there's a cold and indifferent spirit in this house. But smile at somebody and say, we're going to tear that wall down. Oh my God, I want you to hear me here tonight. Maybe that wall that's in your life is a bad attitude. Ask your neighbor and say, how's your attitude? Oh, I look at some of y'all, y'all look like y'all so mad. When you walk in here, you can literally tear somebody a complete apart. You need some help in your life. It's a bad attitude. You got an unforgiving spirit. And for other people, it's your pride. I ain't going to get up off of this pew and walk up there and give my heart to the Lord so that Ben can talk about me and tell everybody how bad a person I am from this point on. And for others of us, it's anger that we have allowed to build in our life. But you know, the biggest wall that we've got in our life is our past. 
God said he has separated the sins and threw them into the sea of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. If you start walking east and stay walking east, you'll never be going west. That means God forgets it. He never, ever remembers it again. And we literally allow the devil to come in and start reminding us of what we did yesterday or what we did two months ago or what we've done even this morning. And God is trying to tell us that if we let that happen, we are building a wall and we are keeping everything that God has for us away from us. And we're not going to have our promised land to the Amen. Now, that wall that you have allowed to be constructed, it keeps you from coming to Jesus and surrendering it all. For the last three services we have sung in this church service or two services, I surrender all. That is God speaking call right now to this church. Will you surrender all? Will you surrender your Jericho? Will you surrender your mind? Will you surrender your bad attitude? Will you surrender that unforgiven spirit? Will you surrender your judgment? Will you surrender everything to him? So tonight, I want to share with you that that little wall that you got in your life needs to come down. Just tell that person right beside of you, say that wall's got to come down. And I want you to know that you can, through the power of Almighty God, you can tear down that wall that is keeping you from being all that God wants you to be in your life. If you believe that tonight, say amen. amen. So tonight I want to tell you how you can tear down them walls. How many of you right now, you know you got some walls on the inside of you that you got to tear down? Amen. Would you just raise your hand up and say, I say oh, you're talking to me tonight. Well, here's how you're going to have to get over it. Amen. So many of us in our life think that we are for us and so many people are against us. We feel like that we are trying to live a good life and everybody's against us and they're trying to mess us up. I want you to know that is a delusion straight from hell. Nobody's try, even concerned about how you live in your life. Then most of them don't even care if you even get up tomorrow. Amen. Are you helping yourself tonight? Amen. Jesus showed up with his, with his hand and, and his sword stretched out and Joshua saw him in his reconnaissance mission and he went running to him and the first thing Joshua asked him, he said, are you for us or are you against us? And Jesus said, I'm not here for neither one of y'all. Jesus said, I'm not here to join a side. I'm not here to even give you the recognition that you got a side because you ain't got a side. It ain't about you, buddy. It ain't about you, boo-boo. It ain't about you. It's about my kingdom. And I'm coming down here right now, and I'm about to take over. Oh, my God, y'all got to hear me. Jesus was saying, I'm not coming to fight on your side, and I'm not coming to fight for your adversary. I'm coming here because I own this promised land. I own this vessel. I own this territory. And my side is the only side that there is alive. And if you're not going to give him full control, oh, help me now, you're not going to ever possess your promised land. Amen. In Joshua 5, 13 through 14, I want to read verse 14 to you in the apostolic Bible. When Jesus was talking to him, he said to him, I am the commander-in-chief of the forces of the Lord, and I have come to take over. Tell your neighbor right beside and say, he's come to take over. Are you going to let him take over? I'll tell you what, we got the brakes on him tonight so tight that we ain't going to let him take over. But God said, I have showed up in your life to take over. I come down here and I'm standing up ready to fight for you, but I am coming to take over. And until you let me take over, you ain't never going to take Jericho out of your life. Everybody just hold your head and say, Lord, come take over. Take over my emotions, take over my finances, 
take over my problem, take over my soul, take over my mind, will, and emotion, take over my conscience, take over my perception, take over my intuition, take over the lust of my flesh, take over. Come on, Lord, come into my life and take over. I'm sick and tired of this wall of Jericho. I'm sick and tired of this stronghold of Jericho. I'm sick and tired of this thing. Every time I take one step forward, I'm docked back two steps. I'm ready to go forward and spoil the enemy's camp and take back what is mine in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the first step you got to do is let him have control. Just slap that right beside him and say, let him have control. Oh, a lot of people ain't liking that. But sometimes you might you have to get beat into submission. I hope you don't get to that point where you're beat into submission. I hope when Jesus stands up and says, okay, stand right in. I'm ready to take over your life. I'm ready to come in and be the commander in chief of your life. And I hope to God that you would fall on your knees and you look right at him just like Joshua did and you would recognize his authority and you would respect his authority and you'd fall down on your knees and you'd take your shoes off and you let him know, God, you're in charge. Well, everybody here tonight just haul out and say, God, now you're in charge. You're in charge of that addiction. You're in charge of my finances. You're in charge of my church. You're in charge of my health. You're in charge of my emotion. You're in charge of my relationship. You're in charge of my marriage. You're in charge of my gift. You're in charge of my talent. You're in charge of my ability. You're in charge of the politics in my life. You're in charge of my family, my children, my grandchildren. You're in charge of my brother, my sister, my aunt, my uncle. I'm bowing down to you right now, and I'm letting you have it all. Now look at your neighbor and say, now don't pick it back up. Mm-hmm. Joshua fell at his feet and he recognized God's authority. He recognized Jesus' authority and he humbled his position down to his authority. You see, Joshua was the leader of the armed forces of Israel and he come before Jesus who was the commander-in-chief of the Lord of hosts and he realized that Jesus was a whole lot more important general than he'll ever be and he bowed down. He said, okay, Lord, every armor, every, every soldier, every weapon, everything of war that I've got, all my strategy, all my ability, everything i got, all my intellect, I'm giving it to you. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll pay attention to you. Amen. But you know a lot of Christians don't want to do it God's way. They still want to do it their way. I got a problem in this church and I'm going to tell you what the problem is in this church. I am trying my best to get people to realize that God is upset and angry with all of a lot of us with our covenant before him. Oh, the Bible says that the very least thing that you can do for Jesus Christ in your life is to come to church. That is your reasonable service. That is the very least thing that you can do in your life is show up in the house of God and join together in like-minded people and to praise Him and to worship Him and lift your hands and praise Him and give Him glory. That is the least thing you can do because it is Him that has gone through His mercy and His grace that's allowing your heart to put blood through your veins. It is Him that gives you the opportunity to take a deep breath and to feel the oxygen of Almighty God and have another day. It is your least thing that you can do in your life to walk and get ready and give God a couple of hours to come into the church house. Amen. Amen. But he began to realize exactly who was in charge. And God is wanting his church today, Aunt Janice, to realize who's really in charge. Amen. James 4 and 10 tells us, said, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. 
If you humble yourself before the Lord, get down off of your high horse, get off of your throne, sit down and bow down before the Lord, and you fall up under him and you give him his authority and you respect his authority, and you begin to give him all that is yours, here in that hour, God said, if you'll humble yourself, then I'll raise you up. If you'll humble yourself, I'll raise you up above any one of your family. If you'll humble yourself, I'll keep right on raising you up above any of the enemy. If you'll just humble yourself and give it all to me, if you'll surrender it all, I will tear down every wall and stronghold that the enemy has in your life. The Bible says that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty, and they are mighty only one way, through God. The only way you're going to take down that stronghold is to let God destroy it. Amen. So look at your neighbor tonight and ask him, so who's calling the shots in your life? Ask another one, so who's controlling your time? Mm-hmm. Turn around and ask another say, who's controlling your money? Who's controlling your telephone conversation? Who's controlling your time at home when you should be studying the Word of God? Is it that television? Is it the world? Is it Hollywood? Is it Fox News? What is it that is literally calling the shots in your life? In other words, are you in the driver's seat or is God in the driver's seat? There's a little sign out there that says, God is my co-pilot. I said, oh, no, no, no. I'm, God. I'm God's co-pilot. God is my pilot. He's the one that's carrying me through that. Amen. Can you be the one that looks at the Christ here in your Lord and say, for me to live is for Christ. If I'm going to live today, I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. Amen. So the first thing that he did is he fell down right at his feet. He came down out of his position and he submitted to his authority. And the second thing that he did, if you're going to take down the wall of Jericho in your life, is he respected his authority. He surrendered everything to him. He gave it all to him. So many of us here tonight, we are still fighting our battles. I just said a while ago, leave it at the altar and don't pick it back up. And I heard somebody say, that's a hard thing to do. No, it ain't. That's an easy thing to do. If you really trust and believe in your commander-in-chief and you give it to him, you know he knows already what it takes to win that battle and you ain't got to put nothing other else in it because he already knows how to deliver you. Oh, help us, Lord. Amen. So just hold your hand and say, Lord, help my faith. Lord, I'm preaching pretty good, and y'all mighty quiet tonight. Amen. So he respected his authority, he surrendered all, and he quit fighting his battle in his own strength. He pretty much laid his sword down at his feet because God needs you in your life in 2022. He needs you to sell out everything right straight to him. You need to give it all to Jesus. You see, we like to be in control, don't we? Everybody shake your head. Oh, Kip likes to be in control. Oh, I like to be, in, I love to be the one calling the shots. You like to be the one calling the shots too in your life, don't you? Amen. But you know what I found out in my life? If you're the one that likes to be in control, if you're the one that likes to call all the shots, if you're the one that literally wants to be the boss, it shows something to me. And what it shows to me is pure defeat. Because you're going to lose the battle. Amen. And I 
I've seen people that way that they are going to be who they are. I am who I am and I'm going to live the way I want to live. Shut up that preaching to me. I'm going to live the way I want to live. You hush at me. I'm going to do what I want to do. Mama, I don't see it that way and I ain't going to get no hush at me. I don't want to hear it. And what I see is a bunch of people that is literally living a defeated life with no joy and no peace and they're living so far down below their potential that they can't never be happy in their life. And all they need to do is put God in charge of their life. Amen. Amen. So you got to reach a place in your life to where you finally give up. Ask your neighbor right beside you. Say, have you gave up yet? No, I'm not talking about giving up the fight. I'm talking about have you gave up everything that is yours to Jesus? Have you gave it all to him? Is he in your life for good? So you got to reach that place where you finally give it all. And another thing that he did, you might want to write this down, is Joshua, not only did he go in and respect his authority, not only did he fall down at his feet, the third thing that he did is he rested in his authority. Tell your neighbor, say you got to rest in his authority. Now that's the hard thing to do. It's not hard for you not to pick it back up again, but it's hard for you to rest in his authority. And what Joshua did is he removed his shoes from his feet. And that was a testament way back in those days that literally he was handing everything that he had to the Lord. He looked at the Lord and he said, Lord, I can't defeat Jericho, but I know you can. Everybody just hold your hand up and say, Lord, I can't defeat Jericho, but I know you can. And right there, that day, as he took off his shoes, he scrapped all of his plans. He took all of his strategy, and he turned all the fighting troops of Israel over to the Lord. And he gave up his plans. He gave up all of his abilities. He gave up all of his strength. And he gave everything unto God himself. Amen. Another thing you got to realize in life is you got to realize whose feet you're bowing down to. you got to be at the feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. And then, once you fall at the feet of Jesus Christ in that song, you're on holy ground, says, in his presence, there is peace and joy forevermore. And it goes on and it says, if you have a need, Jehovah God has the answer. Reach out and claim it right now because you're standing on holy ground. You see, if you got a need in your life right now, you misunderstand that the only way you're going to get that need met in your life is you got to be at the feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. And when you're at the feet of Jesus Christ, he will give you a detailed, instructive plan on how you are going to take out the stronghold of Jericho in your life. Amen. Jesus tells him exactly how he's going to defeat the enemy. How many of you here tonight knows exactly how to take down your Jericho? Not a single one. Really easy to do it. All you got to do is respect the authority of the Lord, rest in his authority, fall at his feet, and remain at his feet, listen to his instruction, and walk in that instruction. That's all you got to do. That's that simple. Amen. Jesus told him, this is how you're going to take Jericho out of here. Here's the problem. That plan that he gave them, Mary, was unconventional. It looked crazy. Boy, it looked mighty crazy for a whole army to go out there every day and start walking around a city, blowing a trumpet, ooh, blowing a trumpet, and everybody just shut up not saying a word. That was mighty crazy looking at you. It looks mighty stupid when you have certain things that you need to do, and you need to be fighting and trying to breach the wall, and you're so far out yonder away from it, you're marching around the city, and you're marching around the city, and you're marching around the city. It was an unconventional plan. 
But it was a simple plan. Everybody say it's a simple plan. Then find your neighbor, grab him by the hand, pull him to you, and say, here's the plan. Just trust him. Just trust him. Just trust him. Everybody say, just trust him. Let me tell you why you need to trust him. In verse number 1 and 2 in Joshua chapter number 6, I want you to realize something. I want you to just look at that reading while I'm talking a minute. I want you to realize something. In 6, 1 and 2, the commander-in-chief, Jesus himself, told Joshua something that the enemy already knew. He told them that the enemy already knew he was defeated. Because they had locked up the city and they had stopped all this stuff to go on. You see, every time that the United States of America government locks down the offices of the, 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 the government, locks down all of these stores and puts us in quarantine, we are telling that coronavirus and the demon that caused it that it whipped us and we can't win the battle. It's time, and I said after two weeks outside and preaching last year out there in 100 degrees and stepping into the car and 80-year-old people at 114 degrees, I said if I die, I'll die behind the pulpit. I will not be out here in the hot sun. My church is going to open up, and I didn't pay no attention to the government. And I believe at that point in time, God realized and understood there was somebody that knew how to fight the battle. Amen. Are y'all with me tonight? Amen. That plan was a strange plan. And then people already knew they were defeated. It was a strange plan. It didn't have any talk about armor. Didn't have any talk about armories. Didn't talk about soldiers. Didn't talk about swords or spears. Didn't talk about them going and sieging it. He didn't sit down and tell him anything about strategies. He didn't tell him that there was a secret weapon. God's plan was that the Ark of the Covenant that would go before the priest and the priest would blow the trumpets and the people would follow them. The Ark of the Covenant would go with the priest in front of them blowing the trumpet and the people would follow them. That was God's plan. The Ark of the Covenant would go before them. The priest would follow them blowing the trumpet and the people would walk behind them. Boy, that's a strong stand right there. Why? Because in the ark, there was the law of Almighty God. There was the rod of authority of the priestly uh, Aaron priesthood. And then there was the manna that God fed them. It was everything you needed to survive here on this earth. And God said, if you're going to fight, you're going to have to use the word of Almighty God. And you're going to have to use the authority that God has given unto his ministers, which are you. And you're going to have to be fed by everything that comes out of the mouth of Almighty God and be filled with Heavenly manner. And when you do that there, you've got to learn how to walk in right order and you've got to learn how to walk the right path. You've got to walk in the right period of time and you've got to have the people to shut up and just walk. Yeah. Everybody just look at somebody and say, shut up and just walk. Say it again. Say, shut up and just walk. Oh, tell somebody else. Say, shut up and just walk. One of your problems in your life is you running your mouth too much. You're talking about how bad it is in your life. What was wrong with you this morning? I was sick. Yeah, you were sick. God had kept you. God, God tried to minister and you kept you out of the church. I love you, but I got to tell you the truth. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. No! What's wrong? We talk too much. Everybody just look up to the Lord and say, Lord, purify my tongue. I don't know about Janice. I just don't understand about Janice. I don't know why Janice is acting the way she's acting all this stuff. My God, she's acting that way because you put it on her. You need to shut your mouth up. You just need to walk. 
You got a plan. Walk in that plan. And you see, the very plan that God has for you in your life is walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Just fall. Just keep on marking. Marching. Go on around that Jericho and tell Jericho, I'm here and I'm coming after you in the power of Almighty God. I am releasing the very trumpet and the war cry of Almighty God. Every time they walked around that city, they were calling more angels down from heaven and more angels was coming, setting stationing up. They were stationing up on the outside of them walls. They were out there on the side of that remote. They were there in that castle. They were everywhere. And when they shouted and they walked and they done what God wanted to do, the minute everybody shouted with a great shout, the angels released every bit of firepower from heaven. And Jericho went down in the ground. All the way from the top of the citadel, the top of the castle went down in the ground. It killed every one of them. They didn't have to kill nobody. You see, when you let God take down your wall, he'll totally 100% utterly destroy your enemy. Amen. But when you try to fight it and take it down yourself, you always leave something. God moved in that area so strong, Betty, that he took every living thing that there was and killed it, and he left all the silver and the gold for them to go in and spoil it. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to take back what hell stole from you. Amen. Mm-hmm. God don't ask you to do but one thing. In life, nothing. Can I say that again? Amen. God don't ask you to do nothing in life but nothing. And I want you to know that you can do it. You can try, but you're going to fail. But you can do it through the power of Almighty God. You are to walk in the Spirit. I want to tell you something else about this plan. And when God gives you the instruction of taking down Jericho, it will be a successful plan. There will be some things when you go into it, you're going to have to claim it. Amen? you got to claim that has been what has been given to you, and you got to grab a hold of it, and you got to walk in it. I want to ask you right now, if there was a million dollars on this podium right now, and you could claim it, and you come up here, and you were the first one to grab it, would you go home and keep living like you were half broke? No. What would you start doing? you start spending some of that money, wouldn't you? Your lifestyle would change because you got a million dollars now. God said, if you're going to walk in it, you've got to begin to walk through it in that successful plan and claim it, and you've got to start walking in it. Amen? Yeah. And sometimes, there's got to be some things that's conquered too. Every person that was alive had to be killed. Nothing associated with Joshua saved the, uh, the silver and the gold could live. And what we got to understand in our life is this fortress that hell is built in our life. Everything in it is cursed. Everything that is associated with your wall of Jericho in your life is cursed. Someone needs in your life tonight to be forgiven. Amen. And you need to develop a new circle of friends. Some of y'all need to cut off some of these old friends in your life. Amen. Maybe some of y'all need to change the way you go back and forth to work because you got to start walking in a different way. Amen. Some of us need to change some of the television programs that we're watching, amen? The problem in our life is, is that our promised land is not totally conquered, but it's got to be totally conquered by the Lord, amen? Yesterday, as Tina and I were showing the house, we pulled up at a house, and I looked over, and I never noticed for a minute that house many times lived and all of a sudden, the wind was blowing, and I saw this oak tree that was there. 
and a great big old vine that was held to that tree. It looked like it was a tree in the middle of the air. And the wind was blowing that vine back and forth. It looked like one of them Tarzan vines. You know what I'm talking about? Tarzan jumped on. He could walk into the forest. And I got to looking at that tree that it was attached to. Other trees around it was just as pretty as you want to lay your eyes on. Pine trees. Oak trees, I'm sorry. And this tree was really ugly looking. It didn't look like it didn't have a bit of power in it. That vine had sucked the life out of that tree to the point to where that vine was almost as big as that tree. I'm talking about a vine this big, y'all, and a tree about that big. And it was sucking it out. I told Ashton, I said, do you see that vine over there? And she said, yes, yeah. she went on about her way. And I just sat there and I looked at it for a few minutes. And I remember my Uncle June carrying me down into the woods and there was a black maple tree. Not a black maple tree, a black walnut tree. And y'all know how scarce a black walnut tree is, right? And he loved black walnuts. And he told me on the way down there, he said, Kip, he said, I'm coming down here to save this tree. I didn't know what he was talking about. And when I got to that tree, there was vines growing all up around that tree. And it looked like that all types of birds and stuff was nesting in that tree. And there weren't no black walnuts there. And, and I didn't know what he carried me down there for. And he come out with a little saw. And I'm talking about a little old keyhole saw or whatever you call it. And while he sat there, he went around. And there was some of them, their vines that was great big. And he just went around and he just cut all the way around the vines from one end to the other. He went around, made one little cut in every vine that there was around it. And he said, I just saved the tree. And I looked at the tree and the tree didn't look no different. And the vine didn't look no different. I said, Uncle Jim, how, how have you saved the tree? You didn't cut the vine off of it. He said, yeah, I did. He said, I've done what was necessary to save the tree. I didn't believe him. And I was out playing one day, riding my bicycle. And I saw and got to looking at that tree. And I said, wait a minute, that tree looks a whole lot different. And I walked over to that tree. And it was about six, eight, ten weeks later on. And I got to looking at that vine. And the vine had literally died on that tree. And the tree had come back to life, so to speak. And I got to looking real good, Thelma, at that vine, and I saw where every one of them vines that was there sucking the life out of that tree, Uncle June had went with that little saw and broke the bark all the way around it from one end to the other, and the, the water would come up. I asked him later on, I said, why did you do that? He said, the water will come up right to where that cut is at, and it can't go any further because it can't jump from one bark to the next, and that little cut in that vine will literally kill that vine. Y'all follow me tonight, amen? That vine was still clinging to the tree. It looked like it was still alive, but it was dead. I want to share with you tonight that sin in your life grows just like that vine. The more you let sin in your life grow, it'll pull out the life in you. And Jesus on the cross come and cut the power of that vine of sin off in your life. But God is asking us tonight, what vines do you still have in your life? What is it in your life that is still choking the life out of you? What walls are standing between you and a deeper walk with the Lord? What walls are standing before you between you and God and your promised land? Because I believe tonight, church, that God is still leveling Jericho's today. Amen? I believe that God is still opening up the earth and dropping Jericho's down out of our life. Amen. So God wants to know tonight what is keeping you from going deeper in the Lord? 
What is it that is holding you back from being all that God wants you to be? Now turn to your neighbor here tonight and ask him a question, will you, while I close? Ask him, say, is it worth it? Ask him again, say, is it worth it? He said, is it worth it? Is that wall in your life still worth it? Is that vine that still hold on to you, sucking everything out of you, is it still worth it? It only takes your submission unto God as you fall at his feet, as you get in there and you follow the right path and you finish the right way and you tear down the wall and you take down that vine, you take that wall in your life to literally walk in and spoil the enemy's camp and take back everything the hell is stole from you. I want to know tonight how many of you are sick and tired of living life tied up with a stronghold. You see, these strongholds are mighty powerful. They get bigger and bigger. The more they can get inside of you, the bigger the wall is going to get. The more towers they're going to build, the more citadels they're going to build, the more bastions they're going to make, the bigger moat's going to get around you. And after a while, it's going to be totally 100% impossible for you to take the stronghold down in your own strength. But thanks be to God, Paul knew exactly what to tell us. He said the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God, even down, even to the pulling down of strong strongholds where you can't. Cast down every imagination and you bring